Welcome to the Thrive Church weekly message. We hope you enjoy this message and we pray that it blesses you. For more information about this podcast or other resources, visit thrivechurch.co.nz. Thank you, Sean. Um, just during the worship, I was just asked God if he had anything to say to you, Sean and Nikki. And um, I just saw the picture of a, of a hand. And um, God was just showing me that it's kind of like you're his hand. And not only in reaching out and welcoming people, but that increasingly the hand of blessing of the Father is going to be in your hands and in Nikki's hands. And um, beyond host team and stuff like that, but just that the Father's hand and uh, so much was, you know, you see Jesus reaching out and touching and, and bringing healing and bringing blessing. And I just really believe that over your life for much bigger things still to come. Not that um, host team isn't big. It's really, really important. Okay, there's a photo here of somebody you may recognise. And um, beautiful photo of Pope Francis. And I love that photo because I think it reflects the heart of God and uh, God's big smile over us and his delight in each one of us. And this man, I really honour this man because he really is bringing the heart of the Father into the planet in a new way. And um, he's respected right across the world. Just a couple of weeks ago, um, Danny Silk met with, not Danny Silk, Chris Valentin, um met with Pope Francis and a small gathering of pastors he was invited along to that, and, and he just confirmed, he said that um, he found Pope Francis to be warm and funny and deeply spiritual. I think God finds us to be funny sometimes too. Um, in, the, in the old days, the churches like ours, we used to, after worship, go silent, and then people all across there would bring out a prophetic word of some sort. They didn't always come out quite right, and here's a couple of those that didn't come out quite right. Um, Yea, my people, says the Lord, the ball's in your court and you're not doing a damn thing with it. <laughs> or, yea, my people, I know you're having a hard time. Yea, my people, says the Lord, I know this is rough on you sometimes. Sometimes I don't know what I'm going to do myself. <laughs> Fortunately, that's not the heart of God. He does know what he's doing all the time. But anyway, at this meeting, one of the things that the Pope said and, and, of course, you know that um, Pope Francis, is, his heart is for unity. And he said this, theology is a very complicated subject, and we should let the theologians argue it out. Meantime, we should love each other and learn to value people who are different than ourselves. Just an amazing statement. If we could just put that bit into place. Um, it, instead of looking for what divides us, we look for what unites us. And what unites us more than anything else is that we're all created in the image of God. He just made these human beings to love on. And um, we are those. And there's a whole lot of other people that are those as well. And then a pastor in this meeting asked a question that made everybody else just about stop breathing. He said um, to Pope Francis, do you believe that Jesus is the only way to heaven? And the Pope wasn't in the least bit ruffled. He just went on to say, well, we might be surprised who we meet in heaven, but the only way into heaven 
is through Jesus Christ. He is the only way. And, um, and it's just beautiful to hear a man of God stand up and say that because sometimes people think he's a bit of a universalist in some of the statements that he's making. We need to listen to his heart. But anyhow, then went on and spoke about the atrocities of the Catholic Church um, over centuries. And of course, actually, in actual fact, it didn't all go one way. There was a lot of, um, a lot of criticism and things being said about the Catholics and about the Catholic Church back the other way. But anyway, the Pope, he then in this meeting uh, asked for the people there, the pastors there, to forgive the Catholic Church for their sins. And, uh, and then the pastors there responded and said, well, would you also forgive us for what we have done? And, and then Chris Fallerton said this beautiful spirit of reconciliation came into the room. You could just imagine, it's kind of like what heaven's going to be like, where there's all reconciliation, where no one's holding things in their hearts against anybody else. Just a beautiful thing. And that's what it's meant to be like, you know, meant to... We love people not based on them agreeing with us or us agreeing with the way they do life, just loving them because they're God's creation as well. Danny Silk, in his book called Keep Your Love On, some of you will have read that book, he tells a story. He said, I once heard a man tell a story about being struck by lightning twice. And in actual fact, he died. And um, he ended up in heaven talking to God. And God asked him a question. But he didn't ask him, did you give all your money to the poor? And he didn't ask him, did you raise the dead? He asked him this. He said, did you learn to love? And the guy stopped and thought, no. And God sent him back. And uh, gave him another shot at life. Um, and I think that we, like Danny Silk said, we need to pay close attention to that question. Have you learned to love yet? Did you learn to love? And you think about love that should just come automatically. You know, you just feel loving. But it's not like that. And, you know, for some of us, we grew up in homes where there was a lot of love to go around. There was more than enough for our household, and so we could give a whole lot away and share with other people in all sorts of different ways. And then some of us grew up in households where, for whatever reason, it was a struggle doing life. And there was maybe just enough love to go around on a good day. And then others grew up in homes that were dysfunctional, where there's alcoholism and drugs and Abuse, violence, all those sorts of things, trauma. And uh, you just didn't learn to love. But the good news is that we can all learn to love. And it starts by Father downloading his love into our hearts. And then we just carry on learning. We actually practice how to love. I was just talking to someone between services and they're saying, I don't get it all right. But it's like, you know, I try. And it's like, we're just practicing. We're just practicing how to love, really, and, um, and, and trying to do better and better. And that's all good. But this word love and the English word, it's, a, it's an interesting word because we actually only have one word for love, and it can mean a whole heap of different things, like I love pizza and I love my kids. Or 
I love sushi and I love skiing. Or I love my wife, but I love my Harley Davidson. Or I love Jesus, but I love summer. And it's kind of like, well, love is, what does it really mean? And often in our culture, it's sentimentalized and, and to be this feeling. You've got to feel it in order to have it. Actually, Bob Gass said something in the notes during the week. Um, where is it? Love is an act of your will, not a reflex of your emotions. I thought that was a cute little, little saying. But this, this book here, this Bible, you know, it's incredibly rich. It's not just English words on a page. When you dig into the, the languages that the Bible was written in, in Hebrew in the Old Testament and Greek in the New Testament, there's a richness of words and meaning and context and culture that comes into it. And uh, a few weeks ago, a couple of months ago, I was at a, a daytime seminar and, and one of the speakers, he just popped up for about 10 minutes and did a little thing just after lunch. And, um, but it, that, was, that little thing is what I came away with. And that little thing was around a word in the Bible, in the Old Testament, used for love. And we're going to see it up on the screen any moment now. The word is spelt A-H-A-B, but B at the end of a word in Hebrew is pronounced V. So we have the word ahav, or um, more commonly it has the A on the end, ahavah, ahavah. And it's actually pronounced by, you, you breathe in for the first bit and then breathe out. Achava. It's a really easy word to say. And it's kind of like, achava. Love is as easy as breathing. Um, it's meant to be. And uh, there you see the, the Hebrew writing of that particular word, which we're not going to go into, but you read from right to left. So this word is used in Old Testament in verses like love, the Lord your God with all your heart, love your neighbor as yourself, love the stranger in the land. And it's also used about God loving us. I will love you and bless you. I will achava you and bless you. And it's made up of three basic letters, the A, the H, and the B. And that A there, Aleph, is the first letter of the Hebrew alphabet. It's also the first letter of our alphabet. And the second letter <coughs> of the Hebrew alphabet is that, that bottom one there, and it's pronounced, their B is pronounced bait. So we have Aleph bait, or the alpha bet, actually coming from Hebrew. And we have the, the A and the B there together. I'll tell you what that means in a minute. But in between, we've got this, this H, hey, which became the English letter E. And uh, so they are the basic letters that make it up. And, you know, the Hebrew Aleph Beit is amazing because each letter has, it is a sign, it's a symbol, it's a sound, and it is a number. And we're not going to go too deeply into it, so don't panic. All right, I think the next one, okay. Um, actually, just go back one because I jumped myself here. I did that the first service as well. Just go back, yes. Just looking at the Aleph there, it means number one. And uh, God, of course, is number one. He's right there at the beginning of the alphabet, the Aleph bait. 
And that's God. And then we have the bee, bet, bait. And that letter is that number two in the alphabet. And I'll tell you more about what it means in a minute. And then the, the hay in between. That is really special. That's a really special letter. And it is the fifth letter in the Jewish alphabet, and it's the fifth letter in our alphabet too. And five in the Bible is a symbol of grace and goodness. And so this letter represents the grace and goodness of God. And it's an amazing letter because God took that letter H and he put it inside a couple of names of people in the Bible. Remember who they are? Abram became Abraham and Sarah had an H added to the end of her name. And it's like God took that, that part of him, his presence, and put it into their name so that each one of us would know that the presence of God is with us. We are the sons and daughters of Abraham. Just a cute little thing. By the way, that um, ahav also means, or the hav on it means give. So love and giving are partners. You can't do you can't do love without giving of some kind. All right, we'll go to the next one. So if you go back in time, back before the uh, Hebrew alphabet, this may sound complicated, but look, it's going to turn out real, real simple. And you're going to go, ah, oh, like I did when I heard this. And that, but I mind you, I've spent days studying this as well. So because I, I've just got to check things out. This guy might have been making it up. And, um, and so we looked the first letter, or the first, yeah, first letter of the alphabet, the pictograph for it, this is back in caveman days kind of thing, not quite, and uh, you see that there, do you know what that symbolises, that first one? What does it look like? Ox, ox head. Oh, good one, Jared. <laughs> yes, yes, that's some, that ox head, and it symbolises strength, or chief, or leader. You think, yeah, that's who God is. He is our strength. He is our chief. He is our leader. And then the, the B is the next one. That's a bit harder to work out. But it's a bit like the floor plan of a house. And it symbolizes house, dwelling, tent, or family. And um, if we put those two together, we have the next slide. And we read it from right to left. So we have God who is our strong leader, our strong one, our chief, making a dwelling place for us or coming into our dwelling place and dwelling with us. The strong one who dwells with us. And that is the Hebrew for pictograph for father. And the AB, if you look up your Young's Concordance, you'll see AB. An A was added to that, often is added to Hebrew words, I don't know why. And it becomes Abba, which, of course, take through the New Testament, and Jesus used the word Abba of his father. So there's father, first two letters of the alphabet, father. Isn't that awesome? Okay, but we add in the hay, and we get coming. Okay, uh, one, two, three, four, five letters down. Can you find the wee symbol, the wee pictograph? Which one is it? Yep, that one. I see that down there, Lisa. That's a very good demonstration. And um, this is the little guy, like this. And it symbolizes behold, or reveal, or look, or 
divine breath. It's that connection with God. And we put them together, and we have the strong one, God, who was the beginning of love. We, and, and coming to the end, he dwells with us and invites us to dwell with him. And the one in the middle, it's a, this, is, this is an arty version. This is what you'd put on your wall of your house if you lived in Israel and you wanted an arty version of love on the wall, you'd put this. And there's the little man in the middle beholding God. And if we put those things together, it's like saying love starts with Father God, the strong one in whom we dwell. And as we behold him, his grace and goodness is revealed to us. Or simplifying it even further, because it's all about being simple, Ahava means revealing the heart of the Father. That's all we need to do. To me, it just makes it so much more simple. And then we can look at verses like this one here, because what we're going to do now is we're going to take that and we're going to put that into the verse where it says love. So we're going to skip across the New Testament. A new command I give you, reveal the heart of the Father to one another. As I've revealed the heart of the Father to you, so you must reveal the heart of the Father to one another. We can do that. And again, in 1 John, this is his command, to believe in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and to reveal the heart of the Father to one another. Try this one. Revelation of the perfect heart of the Father drives out fear. Doesn't that make sense? Try another one. I think it's coming. If I speak, and of course this one is often used in... um, How did that get in there? That's actually for later on. Have we skipped a whole lot in the middle? Oh, did we? All right. We'll go to to that one then. According to my notes, that's a bit later on. Do we have um, just the shine bright one to come back on again? Thank you. We'll go to that one. Because, you know, when we talk about revealing the heart of the Father, you know, what is that really? What does the heart of the Father look like? And the answer is just a five-letter word, (laughs) and it's Jesus. That's the heart of the Father. You see, God tried to reveal his heart in the Old Testament, but people got all caught up in religious performance and right behaviors and in trying to keep rules And that just kept on taking over. So Father thought the only way, is one of those reasons for sending Jesus, the only way I can really reveal my heart is to send my son. And he can represent my heart. And of course, Jesus just amazingly represented the heart of God. And it's summed up of Jesus in Acts where it says, Jesus went about doing good and healing all those who were oppressed by the devil. That's what our Father's heart is like. Whereas those rules and religious behaviors land up with people failing, not being good enough. Stone that one. Punish that one. Disown that one. All these sorts of things is what religion does. 
but not Jesus. You know, at the end of his ministry, Jesus was praying. And, uh, and in that prayer, he prayed, I have revealed you to them. So he knew what his job was, to reveal the heart of the Father. And he was just telling the Father, I've done it. I've revealed you to those you gave me. So what we want to do is shine bright with the love of the Father. And, you know, there's, a super, there's an ad on supermarket ad. Well, it's a light bulb ad, I suppose. And um, this guy in the supermarket, and he's standing there in front of the light bulb section trying to work out what light bulb to buy. Have you seen that one? And, uh, of course, you know, he's thinking, oh, am I supposed to get LED or incandescent or what's the other one? Halogen. And then he's thinking, oh, is it supposed to be bayonet or screw? Is it supposed to be white light or cool light uh, or warm light, rather? And, and is it supposed to be, oh, how many watts is it meant to be? Oh, it's written in lumens. You know, lumens and watts. How many people have stood there trying to find the right light bulb? We have. And um, fortunately for this guy, his, his wife's voice comes over the um, supermarket uh, speaker system and he knows exactly which one to buy and he goes off quite happy. But, you know, at the end of the day, it actually doesn't matter about which light bulb. What matters is every light bulb works in its right setting. And, uh, and that's who we, you know, like us. We're all different. The way we express, the way we show the love of Father, we reveal the Father's heart. Well, we can all do it. We can all do it. And some examples of people have done that. Um, photo here of Mother Teresa, a beautiful lady who is now with Jesus, Saint Teresa, I think she is now. Um, her name was Agnes at birth. And most of you know that she started an order of uh, Catholic nuns that reached out to love people, most of all in Calcutta, in India. And there um, she built homes for these people who were the untouchables, who would just die on the street because no, they were so poor and they were of a caste that nobody wanted to touch. And they would literally just be dying in the gutter and traffic was driving past and people were walking past. And she said, this isn't right. The Father's heart is that these people would at least die with dignity. And, and so she set that up so that would happen. And then she established centres for the blind and for the disabled and for the aged and for lepers as well. There are still lepers in this world. So in 1979, she was awarded the Nobel Peace Prize. Good honour for that. And she was invited to speak at the United Nations. And, and while she was there, they asked her a question, how can we have world peace? And her answer was so simple. Go home and love your family. That's what she said to world leaders. Go home and reveal the heart of the Father, effectively is what she was saying, to your families. That's how we get world peace. That's how we change. You know, we want to change the whole world? Start there. Start there. And move out in circles from there. This other person, um, Billy Graham, he's a New Zealander lives in Nainai, Wellington area, has lived there all of his life. And uh, he's a champion boxer in the 60s and 70s, won quite a few titles during that time. But um, it was said of, of his upbringing that you could have said he was born on the wrong side of the tracks, except that his mate stole the tracks. <laughs> that was the kind of rough upbringing that he had. In fact, as a nine-year-old, he was out scavenging 
in the rubbish dumps for old record albums so that he could try and sell them again. But fortunately, a, a, a guy came along, a boxer, and he took an interest in, in Billy and started to mentor him. And um, he became, first of all, a butcher and then a, a winning, title-winning boxer. But he also became a strong Christian, and he still is a strong Christian. And so one of the things he had inside of him was a dream because God gives us all a, a dream of how we can change the world. And, but he had this dream to start his own gym for disadvantaged young people to bring them in and give them a chance like he had. And so whenever he was around um, boxers who were coming to New Zealand to box or he was somewhere else, he would get their photo and he would get them to autograph it. But he'd also get them to write on there, congratulations on the opening of your gym. Now, he didn't have a gym. He didn't even have money for a gym. He didn't have anything. But he gathered his photos. They were the seed of his dream. And it wasn't until 2005 that he actually was able to open his first gym. And um, in between times, he coached in boxing um, in schools and gyms all across New Zealand. These days, he's a motivational speaker, highly sought after, been speaking for 25 years in New Zealand and beyond. And his gym has proved so successful in preventing young guys especially from landing up in a life of crime that he's been offered grants to establish gyms across New Zealand, and, um, which he's, he's happy enough to do, but he, he really wanted to have the same DNA, the same mission around any other gym. And of course, his mission was that which the father had given him. And so he'd only allow one of his protege, one of his sons, to start up a gym, one of those that started in Porirua. And, uh, and so it goes on, um, with these young boys being mentored. And so here we see this guy revealing the heart of the father by being a father to these young guys and by calling out their true identity and their destiny and believing in them. At his gyms, the... Um, there's not allowed to be any swearing. You've got it as a behaviour code. There's a, a dress code. And so these guys are being called up to a different way of life, and they're stepping up to it. And wonderful things are happening. And I love the way that, you know, this guy reveals the heart of the Father. And it can look however it looks in your world. And... Um, Paul and Helen were at the first service, and, and Paul and Helen, I just got their permission to say this, that um, they're spending a few months down in Twizel where they're building a spec house to sell. And the reason they're building that spec house to sell is to raise funds to go to the Philippines to help Danny doing the building and the mission work that he's doing over there. Isn't that awesome? You know, they're, they're purposeful about revealing the heart of the Father and putting some hard work in to do that. And as a lot of other people, you can call out different ones in this church who are doing different things, revealing the heart of the Father. All of you are, in some way. So, revealing the heart of the Father. And young people, I put this to you. What does it look like to reveal the heart of the Father in your relationships? Particularly boyfriend-girlfriend relationships. Love, well, what can that look like? But if you put in there, revealing the heart of the Father in that relationship, doesn't that honour 
that relationship into a whole new level. So think about it. What else can it look like? 1 Corinthians 13 says, if we add this little phrase in there, if I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but am not revealing the heart of the Father, I'm only a sounding gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and knowledge, and if I have faith that can move mountains, I mean, that's pretty impressive. That's on the stage, big screen stuff. But if I'm not revealing the heart of the Father, I'm nothing. So what is the heart of the Father? The heart of the Father is patient. The heart of the Father is kind. The heart of the Father doesn't keep a record of wrongs. The heart of the Father rejoices with truth. And the beginning of the next chapter says, so follow the way of revealing Father's heart. That brings a whole new perspective to that. We can find out more if we go to Galatians. The fruit of the Spirit. Passion translation, slightly altered. But the fruit produced by the Holy Spirit within you is divine love in all its expressions, or the Father's heart in all its expressions. And these are the expressions coming up very quickly. Revealing the heart of the Father looks like joy that overflows, peace that subdues, patience that endures, kindness in action, a life full of goodness, faith that prevails, gentleness of heart and strength of spirit. There's got to be something on that list that you can do to reveal the heart of the Father or that you are doing. Take a look at this one. Husbands, reveal the heart of the Father to your wives. And I want to honour Pate because he does that for me and has done all my life. He has revealed the heart of the Father. If you, if you went back to look at that through the spirit thing, there'd be many of those things that Pete has shown me in there. So it's a lot more than eros love or filio love that's in there. Look at the next one. Reveal the heart of the Father to your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. And, you know, sometimes we're revealing God and just the, the places of home, but sometimes we get to be, we get put in unexpected situations where we need to reveal the heart of the Father. We need to be ready to do that. Pete and I have been um, visiting a young man in prison this year and um, visited someone else and tried to help that person out earlier on in prison as well. And um, with this young man, as we were visiting him and writing to him, he said in a letter, he said, I want God in my life. I'm lonely and I'm scared and I need God. So I thought, ah, there's my cue to now put words to the love that we were showing. Because somewhere along the line, we need to use words. Jesus came preaching the good news of the gospel or the exceedingly good news. And, uh, and I was trying to find a creative way of doing this, but it's really hard because when you're visiting in prison, you're not allowed to take anything in with you, not a piece of paper, not a pen, not a Bible, nothing. And in this particular prison, though, I realized that they didn't worry about my jewelry that I was wearing. And then I remember that I had at home this gospel bracelet, which I'll just take off. And so... 
in order to tell the gospel inside the prison, we got in there and uh, after talking to him for a little while, I, I took my bracelet off and I just laid it on the table and I told the story. Now, Glennon's been talking to us about shining bright and part of the vision is to see 20 families saved and added into our church, families that are far from God coming to, into relationship with God. So somewhere along the line, we're all going to need to be able to tell the story of salvation. And there may be somebody in here today that needs to hear this story. So, so I'm going to tell you, this is, I used to tell this story dozens of times, not from a bracelet, from, from a little book. Well, I had a big version of it too. Made hundreds of these little wordless books. So we start with the gold bead. And the gold bead there represents the presence of God, represents the joy and the peace and the goodness of God, represents God with us and represents us one day in heaven with God. That's where God lives. And he wants us to be with him and to experience all of that here and now and later on. But the problem is we need to start at the beginning of the story and there's a black bead. And that black bead represents our failures, our mistakes, our missing the mark. In fact, the Bible says we've all fallen short of the glory of God. We've all missed the mark. And in missing the mark, it allows that, that damage to come into our hearts, that darkness to come in, and darkness in heaven don't fit together. And God so wanted us to be part of his kingdom. He says, I know. I'm going to come up with a plan. It's going to cost me a huge amount, but I have a plan. And his plan was to send his son, Jesus, to absorb into his body all that darkness, all that brokenness, all that disease, all that sin, all that evil, by paying with his life on the cross. Hence the red bead, the blood of Jesus Christ. And when we receive Jesus Christ, we move to the white bead because the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin. We become innocent again. We have a new start. We're a new creature. It's all new. We have destiny. And then the blue bead, Jesus, when he left this earth, he sent the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is with us to guide us and to teach us and to reveal Jesus to us and to empower us to live for God. And then that's not showing up very well, but there's a green bead. And that green bead stands for green, growing, growth, and learning. And we continue to learn and to grow and to become more like Jesus and reveal the heart of the Father to the people around us. And that's the story of that, that bracelet. In fact, we have, we have some of them here. And these little bracelets... Agnes has just started making these, and uh, these are the modern, modern version, and, um, and they're available for only $10 each, and $5 of that's going to go to missions, and uh, so you can actually order those. Now, I know, guys, this isn't going to help you, you're not going to wear one of these, probably, um, and, uh, but you can buy one for your, for your wife or whoever. And I was thinking about it, and maybe Glenn could design some beautiful little fold-out thing that you guys can pop in your wallet and you just fold it out and it's got all the colours and you can 
bang off the gospel, the exceedingly good news, just like that. Because you never know when you might need it. Salvation. It's being restored. It's being made whole. It's having that new start in life. If we shine bright, we're going to shine with that salvation. There was a man by the name of Milton Hershey. He was born in the late 1800s. And uh, he was really interested in making candy and wanted his own candy store. And eventually, he, after two failed attempts, he had a successful one making caramel and, and caramel lollies. And then in 1900, he sold that and he started building a new building in this place called Derry Church in uh, Pennsylvania. And that building today is now the biggest chocolate-making plant in the world. And as he was busy making chocolate and perfecting the recipe, he um, and, and became very successful at it, he became very wealthy. But Milton Hershey was a Christian, a strong Christian. And he just wanted to express the heart of the Father reveal the heart of the Father. And he did that through generosity. And so he built schools and churches and recreational facilities and houses for his employees. And he built a school for orphan boys. And the whole place is now called Hershey. You can visit it in America, over there. And then in amongst the... Um, the chocolate products, the various chocolate products that he made, there's one special one that he named himself. And he was in the factory as this chocolate was being processed and it was being squirted out onto the trays. And um, he heard this sound coming out of the machine. And he said, that's the sound of the father's kiss. And uh, Hershey's kisses. Have you ever eaten them? The Father's kiss. That's how it originated. And you know, church, we're a church that loves giving. Jared was talking about that. And so we're going to pass the offering buckets around again today. But because we love giving, we're going to give something to you. And uh, we just want you to put your hand in and take out a kiss, one of the Father's kisses. And just to help remind you of this whole thing of revealing the heart of the Father. We're going to um, stand in a moment and we're going to sing that new song, which is totally awesome, perfect song for today. And, um, and I want to pray for you too. So would you like to stand and So I guess the question is, did you learn to love yet? And uh, maybe like me, you'd say, well, Father, I'm practicing. I'm practicing. And all he wants us to do is to continue to practice. And so, Father, I ask that, that you would give us creative ways of revealing your heart. We see Mother Teresa in her acts of kindness. We see um, Billy Graham and being a father to others. And we see Milton Hershey and his generosity. Father, whatever it is, 
Would you please equip us to reveal your heart at a whole new level? And today, I just felt that when I was out walking yesterday, that Father wanted to give a download to some people who are really trying to express or reveal the heart of Father in particular situations with particular people. You really want them to know that God loves them and that he's real. And you've kind of like almost hit a wall with that and you're wondering what to do. And I just believe God said, give them, he's got a download for you. And so I'd love to pray for you. So if you come up during the song, I'll pray for you and just believe for Father to give you a download. If you were here today and uh, you've actually never given your heart to Jesus, you've never invited Jesus to, to deal with the black and to reveal his presence to you in a whole new way, then we'd love you to respond today too by just coming up the front and we'll have people here who can pray for you and, uh, and you can have that assurance and know the Father's heart revealed to you personally. Awesome.